Welcome to In the Movement Podcast, a podcast discussing all things happening in the credit union movement. Each episode will feature leaders talking history, current affairs, and how we can utilize our expertise to educate, communicate, and mobilize, all to better serve our movement. Here are your hosts, Chris Kem, Austin DeBay. Welcome to another edition of In the Movement Podcast. In this podcast, we interview our Mountain West Credit Union Association Chairman, Todd Marksbury, who is also CEO and President of Canvas Credit Union in Colorado, and is the host of the podcast, In the Room. Austin, I think our listeners are in for a treat. As this interview went so well, we had to actually break it up into two parts. The first part, we're going to talk about Todd's leadership journey and how he got where he's at today. Yeah, Chris, before we get into the interview, I just wanted to say, you know, you and I, we put together these show notes before, a couple of days before the interview, making sure that we can fill 30, 45 minutes of time and be prepared for anything that we want to bring up with our person we're interviewing. But this was a case of where, you know, we sat down, we started recording and just had a casual conversation. And an hour and a half later, we looked at our clocks and thought, you know what, we better stop here but we're going to need to break this down into a, a two-part episode. So in the interest of time to make sure that we get it all, let's get to it. All right, we're here today with a very exciting guest. He is the 2020 Denver Business Journal Most Admired CEO, Todd Marksbury. And I know if we would have told him we were going to start with that, he would have said, no, it's not about me in that sense. So Come on, man. What do you got to do that for? If we didn't get it in now, we would have never got it in. Oh, my gosh. It's all going to go downhill from now. <laughs> That's right. Todd, we really want to talk about this podcast with you. We're going to flip the script a little bit. Our segments are, I don't want to say we, we kind of mirror yours uh, in a sense because we're not a competing podcast at all. But as we open up this segment, we really want to talk about the leaders and, and the people who make up our movement. And, and that was really the idea behind our uh, podcast, when we talked about this, there's so many people doing so many different things across our movement. And there's a very admired person in your organization, Tazzy Stearns, that talks about our story and we suck at telling our story. That is huge. And I've, I've always connected with that since the first time I heard it from her. But our podcast really is about telling that story. And, and without getting into it too much, I really want to dive deep with you and talk about you. I know with your podcast, you're about talking about others, but we really want our movement, our credit union movement to understand who Todd Marksbury is. And Austin always leads us off with a great question, and it kind of highlights uh, some of our experience in the movement. I'll let Austin talk about that real quick, and then we'll get more into it. Is Austin's first question going to be about what's going on with your beard? <laughs> Who's beard? <laughs> With Chris's beard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't asked. Doing a Santa Claus gig on the side, man? Uh, you know what? It's kind of funny. The little ones, they just asked me the last week. We have a little one, Nye. She's, she come up and she said, hey, Papa, are you going to be Santa Claus this year? And I said, why would you ask that? And she goes, what's going on with the beard? <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't awesome. That wasn't your first question, right? No, it was not. But as someone who uh, is 40 years old and still cannot grow a beard, I'm pretty jealous. So some of us, you know, grow it long on top and some of us can grow it on the face. 
but I'm a little bit jealous of those that can, can put grow hair on their face because mine comes in pretty. That's okay. That's okay because Chris and I are jealous at your COVID mane. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. This is my COVID beard. I don't have a coat. I'm not blessed enough to grow hair anymore up top. So, so Todd, you know, I actually changed this question. This is a question I've been want, I want to ask on all of our podcasts, but I, I changed it, and, and I think you'll understand why. But how many years have you been an advocate in the credit union movement? That's a good question, Austin. I, I've been in the credit union industry now. I'm, I'm working on my 28th year. And I remember listening to your initial podcast where you and Chris were kind of launching this thing and, and talking about why you wanted to do this podcast and you know what you were hoping to achieve, which was is great as far as telling the story of credit unions. And both of you had mentioned, I think, 15 years, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm two years behind the aggregate of the two of you guys. So I've been in the industry for 28 years. I started my career down in Miami. Florida at a, a credit union for AT&T and Bell South. And, and I, I spent 16 years at uh, credit union for Delta in Atlanta. I only say that to say that when I first started out at my credit union in Miami, I was not an advocate, if you will, for credit unions. It was just a gig. It's just kind of like you guys. I think you mentioned that, you know, kind of your story and how you made your way. But literally, my wife and I had just had our first child and he just turned 28 this past Friday. And I was actually a, an entertainer. I was singing and dancing and acting around the world. And, and I was literally sitting in, a, in Miami, Florida, in a recording studio with, with my band. We were recording a new album and we had a break and we had just had our son. And I told them, I said, man, it's kind of tough having Trey with no insurance, you know, wiped us out of savings. I said, I need to use my degree and get a gig. And my bass player who worked at a credit union goes, hey, my credit union's hiring, man. And I was like, how do they pay? He says, the pay is terrible, but the insurance is awesome. And I'm like, I need insurance, man. So I started there in May of 1993. And I tell you that story, guys, because I wasn't an advocate then. It was just a gig. But within that first year, when uh, about at the end of the, my first year, my CEO there, his name's Greg Blount. He's still, he's retired probably 15 years ago, but he's a, a great mentor of mine still to this day. Greg began to make investments in me and teach me about credit unions and the story of credit unions and why we were here to help people afford life and serve members. And so I became an advocate probably about a year into my 20. So year number one out of 28 years. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it re it really does. I you know it's it's really fascinating because I think there's so many of us that come into this career as it first starting out as and it's a job. It's a way to you know to pay your your mortgage or your rent payment and 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 then you just fall in love with it and you realize how can you? It's hard. I don't call this a job. I, it's hard to even call it a career. It's you know it, it becomes a passion for what you're doing and and you talked about your music and and we're not going to stop that topic because I have some questions to follow up with you on that. But I know Chris has a couple of things he wants to address as well. And it's kind of funny you mentioned how childbirth of a kid can change your whole trajectory of how you think. It certainly did with me. But just this morning, my son, my oldest son, just got hired at Horizons North Credit Union. He starts on Monday. And he was not a advocate when he applied for the job. He was, Dad, I need, I need something new. And I said, well, son, you know, there's a lot of credit unions hiring. So it at least can give you a ground base. You know, you've gone to school, you're trying to different things. It's kind of it's kind of cool. But enough about that. 
Well, I was going to say we know the CEO there, so he can't he can't screw up, man, right? And he has a lot of advocates there in, in that credit union that, that's going to help him. Chris, you'll love this. We hired you guys. Should have known if you invited me onto your podcast, we would go down some some rabbit holes here, right? Right. Dan Kester from Super. Dan Kester's son works here. Ryan, he works at our up, up in uh, Denver at our Ryder Square branch. And uh, Allie, Mike and Margaret Williams' daughter works for us as well. And so we have, I think, and we have some others here, but we have, I think, probably a half dozen or so second generation credit union kids working here at Canvas, which is super cool. Todd, do you think that is a normal thing within industry that a lot of children go into the profession of their dad or their mom? For me, I did the same thing. And I'm just fascinated. Is that a credit union specific thing or do you think it's something that just happens naturally? I don't think it just happens and it's not a normal thing because you mentioned Tanza earlier and she'll say this too. We, you know, our, our hope is, is by the time, you know, people like us retire that we've worked really hard such that young kids coming out of college that they're like, I want to go work for a credit union, man. And, and that's not the case right now. I think what happens is interestingly, and I'll use Dan Kester and, and Mike Williams kids as examples. You know, Dan called me one day and he said, this was, you know, about a year and a half ago. And he said, Hey, listen, Ryan, my son, you know, he's been working and I want to say he was at, he was a King Supers, interestingly enough. And I think he worked, if I'm not mistaken, I think he worked back in the Delhi area in the, the, the butcher area. And he was, he's a really good kid and he's a super hard worker. And Dan said, Hey man, he's been working at King Supers and he's working really hard and he's, and he really loves those people. But he's like working the, the, you know, he's getting up at three o'clock in the morning and he's working his tail off and, and he's kind of looking at how he would work in his career. And he's like, I, I have to wait for the, the guy who's in charge of the butcher area to retire. And then if I get that opportunity, then possibly I can go be an assistant store manager. And then it's, or, you know, and he, and he said, and Ryan's a little bit discouraged. And he said, I've been trying to convince him to join the family business for a long, long time. And now he's finally like, oh, so dad, maybe I will consider the family business. And Dan said, you know, I really... There's really no, but it was a great, you know, warmed my heart because he said, I, I wouldn't really want him to work for anybody else, but you guys, and, you know, would you guys consider at least taking a look at his, his resume and send him over to our people team? And they looked at it and they brought him in and, and talked to him. They're like, holy cow, we got to get this kid come work for us. And he's just killing it. And, and it was the same for Mike Williams. Allie, I think she got her degree in teaching or something in music. or And she got out and she was like, ah, I don't want to do that. And she started working for their church. And she was ready to go move down. I think it was to Arizona or somewhere. And Mike called up and he's like, Margaret and I are like, our heart's broken. Allie's going to be moving. And hey, I'm trying to convince her to join the family business. Same story. Would you consider looking at her at her resume and again send her over to the people team? Same exact response, I, I, which is a testament to both Dan and Mike and Margaret as far as how they've raised their kids. They've heard it through osmosis. They, they've been members of their credit unions since they were born, and mom and dad were talking and saying, "Please join the." And they were like, ah, "I don't think I'm interested in that." And then finally, when they were looking to see what's next in my career. They started to work, and I, I'll guarantee both those kids would say, I didn't think I was going to stick around, but I really love this thing. Now, I get what mom and dad have been saying, right? Yeah, Austin, you were probably the same thing. Absolutely. And that just, you know, you brought so, back so many memories just hearing those two stories because 
thinking back, you know, my dad's, the people that he worked with at the league were just family. The credit union people were family and just coming into the industry was such a natural thing. And when, when I found out that there was a position and I didn't really know the person that I was interviewing with, but there was this closeness that just felt normal to me, just like it was when I was a child. So it, it is pretty fascinating how, how that works. And I, I'm very grateful to have the opportunity to be in this, this industry or this movement. Chris wants me to say movement anytime I accidentally say <laughs> industry he makes a frown on his face. I got to give my son credit. He didn't want my help. He's one of those kids that uh, wants to do things on his own. And unfortunately, my name is really unique. So uh, it didn't take long for them to figure out, uh, you know, hey, are you related to? And uh, he said, yeah, but I'm proud of him. He, uh, I'm excited to see what he does with it. But let me, uh, let me get this going because we'll, we'll go down these rabbit holes forever, I think. So I want to flip the script. You talk about someone's journey as they start and they progress through their career in leadership. But I, I really, and I think our, our listeners and Austin and I both want to know, what's your story? How, how did you get, I mean, you started to tell us and, and I was going to be like, man, you jumped right into our, our, our process here. But what led Todd Marksbury from, okay, now I'm a year in, I'm an advocate. Tell us the rest of the story, man. That's a great question, Chris. So I started at that credit union. I was it, the gig was we had really we served AT and T and Bell South employees. We were a huge auto lender, and Bell South is not around anymore. But it was the you know each one of the regional Bell companies, right? And I either it was Mountain Bell or whatever it was here. We were the credit union for those employees, and and in particular, all of the I always called them line workers, but the guys who would climb up the poles and stuff. We had a great relationship with them and we were really good at, at auto lending, just dynamite. And so it wasn't a car buying service, it was just an auto advisor gig. And they'd come into the branch. A member would come into the branch and they'd work with the loan officer to get pre-approved for their loan. And then the way we worked it at our credit union is they'd walk them around the corner and I was the guy and they'd be like, hey, this is Todd. He's our auto advisor. And you know, the, Mr. and Mrs. Smith are want to get a Ford F-150 and Todd's going to help you because we have a relationship with XYZ Ford dealership and he can get it for, you know, a hundred dollars, you know, below invoice or something like that. And they'd walk them over and they're pre-approved. I'm like, oh, great. And I'd sit down with them and what are you looking for? And I kind of build the vehicle for them. And then I'd pick up the phone and say, hey, listen, my buddy, Chris Kim, he's the guy over at the Ford dealership. Hey, Chris, I have Mr. and Ms. Smith. They're going to come over. They're pre-approved for X. And I told them, you take really good care of them. And this is what they're looking for. And, you know, it's pretty simple, right? And they'd go over and they'd be treated like gold and they'd get their vehicle and used or new or whatever the case is. And they'd come back in to the credit union the next day with their new car. The loan officer would close the loan. And we had the three most senior loan officers in the company, these three ladies who were like phenomenal and they taught me about lending and things. And they'd walk around the corner just before they close. They're like, hey, listen, Todd's going to come around. He's going to tell you about our extended warranty and credit life and credit disability, you know? And so I'd walk around. And the funny thing is, is I literally, I didn't even know anything about credit unions. I was kind of learning about the loan piece. I was an entertainer, man. So I was like a song and dance dude. I was just like, hey, this, so this is what it is. And this is the benefit of a, an extended warranty. And and I'd go around and and then they would close the loan. They'd add all that stuff. Well, I'm 10 months into the gig and I get a call from the executive assistant to our CEO, which I'm like, who the heck? What's an executive assistant? I don't even know. 
and her name is Sylvia Wagner. And Sylvia calls and says, hey, listen, Greg, our CEO, Greg wants to see if you uh, can you come to the office tomorrow around lunchtime. And he wants to just meet with you and, and talk a little bit. I'm like, oh, OK, so my boss, I've reported to the VP of marketing at the credit union. She finds out and she calls and she's freaking out. She's like, what did, what, did you, what did you do? Did you do something? I'm like, I don't know, man. She just called and said, can you come? Oh my gosh. And she's, I don't know. You know, she didn't want to even go by and see what it was about. So I go into his office the next day and he's super good dude. And this big strapping guy. And he's like, Hey, listen, I just wanted to talk to you a little bit about it. He said, uh, I've been getting these reports on the insurance things. And so I'm looking at the report and it has to be wrong for your branch because credit life and disability is like 96% penetration. And the extended warranty is like 90% penetration and all the other branches, like through our whole branch network, they're all like in the twenties and thirties. What are you doing? And I, I'm like, uh, I'm just telling him about the extended warranty. He's like, is there something special you're doing? And I'm like, no, man, I'm just, I learned about what the product is. And I learned about, and I would ask the loan officer, tell me about Mr. and Mrs. Kim and help me understand. And what are they, you know, and I kind of figure out why it might benefit them. And then I just started telling him about it. He goes, really? I said, no, seriously. I'm literally thinking, what in the world is this about? And he goes, no kidding. He goes, okay, so I'm creating a new gig. It's our first business development position because AT&T and Bell South were laying off a bunch of people. And so we were going from a single sponsor and we were going to start to be in the community. And he said, I want you to be my business development guy. I was like, okay, sure. <laughs> you know. And I found out it was like a $10,000 raise, which is ridiculous, right? $10,000. By this time I have my oldest son and then we had just had another baby and we're renting a, a duplex, 600 square foot duplex. And I'm driving a 1986 Chevy Celebrity. And uh, I was like, okay. And he goes, and there's a company car that comes with it. I'm like, what? A company car? And he goes, yeah. And, and you need to go, you need to get with our marketing team. And then you order a bunch of tchotchkes for, and you're going to go out and sell the benefit of crediting membership. Well, it just, it started this thing. He started to invest in me and pour into me. And, and I stayed for another couple of three years and, and just, Drove around South Florida, Dave Broward and Palm Beach County and over in, in Sarasota and knocked on doors and talked to people about the benefit of, you know, offering the benefit of membership, free membership to their employees. And I learned what it was is I learned everything about our, I had to learn everything about our credit union. And I'd go out to a factory floor at six o'clock in the morning with a bunch of paper applications and stuff. And I'd tell all these factory guys about the credit union and this new benefit. And then I would sign them up for membership. And then I, this is how I learned about the credit union. I'd have to come back to the credit union at the end of the day. And I had to get to know the ladies in the accounting department. I had to get to know the ladies who were, because I was one of the only guys in the company. Go, come back to the ladies in the loan department, in the membership group of people. And I had to endear myself to them so they would help me move these applications along. But I, I learned a ton. I learned that, you know, we had some tickets to like the Marlins and, I learned that the facilities guys became my best friend because they were always looking for to see if we had any tickets left over for the Marlins games. And so I'd come in they're like, they're calling me while I'm out on the road. And they're like, Todd, when are you getting in? You know, we'll help you load your, your trunk up with more stuff. And I knew what they were looking for is tickets to Marlins games. But anyway, I learned about it. And then I got recruited 
by Mike Mercer, who was a guy named Mike Mercer, who was the president of the Georgia Credit Union Affiliates, so the league there in Georgia. And I came up and he had a regional buying service for all the credit unions in the state. And he, they had heard about me and they wanted me to run that for the league. And so I did. And as fortune would have it, they placed me. He said, he calls me in and their office was in Duluth, Georgia. And he says, Hey man, you're going to actually, your office is not going to be, we found another duplex up there. And he says, you're actually, your office is going to be 40 some odd miles down South at Delta. I'm like, what the heck? He goes, well, Delta's our biggest credit union. Joe Williams, the CEO, is the chairman of my board. So I need you to be down at Joe's office to take really good care of Joe. I was like, what? And so I started to go down there and I ran this division for the league. And it was 10 months into the job, 11 months into the job when the CEO, I got to know the CEO at Delta. He called me in one day and he says, I want you to come and work for me. I want you to run lending for me. It's like, okay. And uh, funny enough, he goes, how much money do you make? And I, before I answered, he goes, well, I'm the chairman of the board. I can find that out. So never mind. I don't need to know that. I was like, uh, uh. But I remember going to Mike Mercer, who's still a dear friend. And, and Mike said, Todd, because I, I love the gig. I loved what I was doing. He goes, man, you, you have to take this job. You have to take this job. You know, at the time, they were a $900 million credit union. And they had about they were about, I think it was 36% loan to share. So they sitting on a mountain of cash, only serving Delta employees, family members and retirees. He goes, man, you have to take this job. It's going to be incredible. And I did. I stayed there for 16 years, guys. I ended up about a year into the, to that gig. We were doing such a, uh, the team was doing such a great job that Joe called me in one day and said, hey, man, I, you've got all the lending stuff. I want you to, you're going to be in charge of all the deposit stuff. Okay. <laughs> so I had all the deposit in the loan side. And then like shortly thereafter, he's like, okay, you've got all the operations. And so he, it was like a bunch of other departments. And I was a young dude. I was like, okay, I'm trying, we're birthing babies like crazy. We're, we were on our fourth child. I was like, yeah, sure. I'll, I'll do that. That's great. I ended up being the senior VP of operations. I think it was within three years. And then became the CLO. And then eight years into the gig, when he retired, I became the EVP and, and chief operating officer, number two guy at the credit union. When I left, we were, I think we were 4.8 billion and about 750 employees. Wow. Really good size. Did that. And, and uh, you know, five and a half years ago, our board, somebody called me and said, hey, are you looking for a gig? I said, I'm not looking. Will you listen? I'll listen, you know. And, and it just ended up being a blessing. It was incredible. Met with the board out here and we just, we connected very, very quickly. And, and, you know, the rest is history. It's been five and a half years now and it's a crazy ride. It's, it's been a blast. You know, you say five and a half years, that's, it's gone by extremely fast. I mean, it seems like you've been here for a while. Yeah. Todd, you know, it struck me about your story that it's just interesting to me because I, I completely agree with it is that in each time that you, you kind of came across a new opportunity People would think, oh, if my boss comes to me and just offers me a bunch of money to keep doing what I'm doing. That's that's the ultimate compliment. But I, I disagree with that. I think your boss coming to you and saying, I see something in you and I'm going to give you more responsibility. Or if someone comes to you and I'm, I'm recruiting you because I see the potential in you. Those are the compliments for me personally. And, and I'm assuming with you, since your career really guided you in that direction of somebody saw something in you and each of these stops and said, I need Todd Marksbury to, to fill this role or, or to lead this team. And, um, you know, and then 
almost the money, the incentives were an afterthought in, in each one of those examples you gave. And, and there's nothing more rewarding as an employee or, you know, even to the future CEO of Canvas Credit Union than having somebody have that faith in you to lead. Oh, it's huge. And I, I'll tell you this, Austin, you just made me think. An important part of that story, something that has really marked me was the my very first CEO, Greg Blount. When I was being recruited by the folks up in Georgia, I loved my job. I mean, I loved my job. And I had grown to, to love the team and, and South Florida is not a bad place to be. And when I went, I was scared half to death. And I went in and I, I set up a meeting with Greg, the CEO, and I told him about it. I remember this day, it has marked me as a leader, what he said. And it goes, it, it's a part of what you're talking about. You know, he said, Todd, listen, thank you for sharing that with me. First of all, I want to tell you, you're doing a fantastic job here. And if you stay and you continue to do the job that you're doing, I think the sky's the limit. Opportunity is incredible. Um, and I'm like, okay, he's going to ask me to stay. And he goes, but here's the deal. I could probably convince you to stay if I just throw money at you. And he says, and that's not in the best interest of, of our credit union. He said, I could give you title, not in the best interest of the credit. I could give you more responsibility. He goes, there are all kinds of things I could do, all kinds of levers. I can pull to try to get you to stay. He said, but I can't, that doesn't guarantee you anything. You're going to have to continue to bust your tail and work really, really hard. And you're going to be the one who earns what your opportunities are. He says, but that opportunity that Mike Mercer up in Georgia is offering you, he goes, I, I can't match that deal. That's a great opportunity. He says, let me just say, I don't want you to leave. I don't want you to leave. But that's a really good opportunity that it would be difficult with you and your family to pass up. You highlight things that you've talked about very specifically in your own podcast. And you talk about leadership. And it's leaders like that that see the different passions that people have and how to drive it out of them. You know, we all come from different backgrounds, but it's it's incredible to see how one thoughtful leader can drive out somebody to be and really drive to to chase something they didn't know they had. And speaking of that, I really want to get inside how you guys came about to in the room, the podcast itself. You're a credit union CEO. And obviously now hearing that you were an entertainer uh, before, and, and that was kind of something that you inspired to, we can actually see that now in the, in the podcast and how natural that comes to you. But tell us how you came about in the room. We, you know, we, and I, and I'm talking about myself and Tansley Stearns, our, our chief people and strategy officer, we had been talking, this is, you know, over a year ago about, we had rebranded about a year and change uh, before that part and parcel to raising the awareness of who we are and, and at Canvas and, you know, our, our mantra, as you guys know, helping people afford life and, and so that they, you know, that they can go live, as we say, hashtag go live. And we were talking about um, not only raising the awareness of who we are with regards to, to marketing and, and what we're doing out in the community, because we've been doing a ton of things out in the community, but that we felt that it was really important to, in order to tell the story of credit unions and tell the story, you know, in general, and then specifically tell the story of Canvas for us to be a thought leader, you know, and a lot of folks have kind of heard that term, but a thought leader in our community. And what we were we were thinking is, you know, was, and I think I said this to you, Chris, it wasn't necessarily like, hey, we've got a, lot, a bunch of stuff to say. What 
Todd thinks or what we think at Canvas, everybody wants to hear. We were like, we want to have conversations with other leaders, other leaders within the credit union industry across the country in Colorado and other leaders here in Colorado in different industries, you know, founders of companies and, you know, whether it's a record company, Vinyl Me Please up in uh, Denver or of late, we've had some phenomenal, just incredible game-changing um, company founders on. But we thought, wouldn't it be cool if we could be a resource in terms of people coming to or listening to these other leaders and learning from them? So that was the thought leadership piece. And that it would kind of tie to raising the awareness of who we are at Canvas. And wouldn't it be cool if over time, legislators, community business leaders, et cetera, would think of Canvas in terms of, we'd love to hear what you guys think about this development project we're doing over in Ken Carroll, as an example, or wherever, or down in Pueblo, or over on the Western Slope. And that's really how it began. And as we were riffing on names, Tansley came to me one day and she says, she sent me like a, a few names to react to. And I was looking and in and, and the in the room thing, I'm like, help me in the room. I'm trying to understand. And she's like, you know, because the Broadway musical Hamilton, remember? And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. She's talking about people who, you know, have always like, what's going on behind that closed door? What's what's going on in the room? Right. And sort of bringing people in the room to hear you know, to demystify, if you will, you, we're not really talking about crazy things, but you no, know, there's some really interesting conversations that are taking place in the room. So it's sort of bringing people into the room to talk to those people. Does that make sense? Yeah, it absolutely does. And I'll go into my own personal reaction to, to your podcast. When you guys launched it, I was intrigued to see what angle you were actually coming from. And I didn't get the name until I heard the first tagline. And when I heard the first tagline, I said, oh, it makes sense. But the thing that stuck with me, I'm an advocate. My passion is advocacy. My passion is raising awareness. My passion is helping others express their voice when they just absolutely won't do it. And as I listened to your podcast, there was a couple of them that just really popped me in the head. And what I mean by that is, as I'm listening to your podcast and I start to hear the stories and I start to hear the discussions, I stop what I'm doing. I physically if I'm at my desk, I, I sit back and I'm in the conversation, meaning I'm the fly on the wall that's listening to the conversation, but it, it's tagging me because it means something. And let me tell you what I mean by that. You had Matt Fielder on, Final Me, and he talked about others before myself. It was a very specific quote that he used. And we didn't talk about it, this, but you're an athlete. You're a collegiate athlete. You're a coach of young athletes. You're, you're very minded on student athletes. In my service days, the last ship I commissioned, it was called the USS Milius DDG-69. It was named after a guy named Paul L. Milius, and he plane crashed in, in the Ho Chi Minh Trail, but he, he took control of the plane to let his crew fly off. And so when, we, when they named the ship, the ship's creed, you know, each ship gets a, gets a ship's crust, and, and they named the, the leadership after the person, and they talk about their creed. Well, the creed was Ali Premi, which means others before myself. And since that ship, I've really owned that motto. And so as he was talking about Vinyl Me and how he came through it and your guys' interaction, I literally stopped working. I literally stopped working and I listened to the whole podcast. And then you had Steve Azion, the, the coach for CSU. And he talked about passion for what you do. And he talked about the story of 
of how he was coaching, but he wasn't making the money. And he had to go and, and, and jump into this good paying job, but it wasn't his passion. So he got right back into coaching. That stuck with me because I'm on my 23rd year coaching high school sports. I want to go coach because it's my passion, but I don't pay, but I'll stay at the high school level and I will do what it takes to raise my family in another passion type field and then also get to coach. But then you had just recently, you had Rob Paylor's on uh, the story that, you know, about his overcoming the odds and the, you know, his rugby story. I didn't know it when I listened to it, but this, you know, a couple of weeks ago, I had a student athlete that almost went through the same story. And when I talked to my young athlete, when she was going through it, I immediately connected back to Rob's story. I, it was something that I listened to and the timeliness of it was incredible that I'm listening to his story and how I overcome the odds, but I didn't know a couple of weeks that I would actually be the one sharing what he went through to my own student athlete. So the biggest thing I get from your podcast and any podcaster that's doing something for an awareness purpose or raising awareness, you're, you're leaving a digital footprint. And that is to be commended. When we talked about creating our podcast, we have a hard time telling our story. <laughs> You know, how do we get these out? How do we get that community to listen to us? How do we get those decision makers to to tie into what we're doing and how we're doing it? And, and what what is the difference between a credit union and a bank? Nothing wrong with banks, but we, we tell we we do something better that people don't do, and we do it for that social purpose. So I, I really love that you guys have that, and, and I I look forward to all your guests that you have on as you come forward with the different things. Thanks, Chris. You just made me think of something. And I know that Austin will get, he'll smile, but you and I had a conversation as you guys on your first podcast, you did the first one that explained what you guys, what the objective is. You had the second one with, with Scott Earl, the CEO, president and CEO of Mountain West Credit Union Association. And that's a really good one. I, I'd encourage people to listen to that and, and learn the story, you know, hear the story about Scott, who's been doing this since 1982. But you and I, after that, you and I had a conversation and we talked about using the term movement, right? And I know Austin's going to smile because you and I talked about it and you and I, I've been doing it for 28 years. You're 15, you're 15, you're second generation, Austin. And, and we talked about, it's funny that how do you get people to listen in particular? How do you get some, some younger generational folks to listen to this and to learn about the story of what, who we are as credit unions and what we do? And what did I say to you? I said, be careful about how you say movement. I get what you're saying. Right. Austin gets what you're saying. Scott Earl certainly gets what you're saying. Tansley over here gets what you're saying. Others get what you're saying. Other, those of us who've been in for a long time, we get it. But, but it, I said, be careful of how often you use that because you can't jump all the way to movement right. and to help them understand what the story is. Right. And those younger, I, I what it was the example I gave you, Chris. I said, ah, be careful talking to my 20-year-old teller. I don't know if, the, if he or she, if they're going to listen, if you're talking about the movement, because you're taking them deep. You're taking them to the 23rd chapter of the book, man. You know, if you're going to go there, start back here and begin to tell them about who we are and really the heart of credit union people, why we do what we do every single day. Then you kind of take them on the journey of who we are as credit unions. What's that story? And then at some point, 
after they've drank the they, they drank the Kool-Aid for a good long time, then you can begin, they'll begin to understand. You aren't going to have to sit and say, let me give you the definition of the movement, why I say movement. They'll get it. They'll understand. You weren't going to ask all that stuff for you, man. You're like, why'd you go down that path? No, no. And I think Austin will kind of highlight it more, but you kind of jumped us a little bit on where we are going with the next, <laughs> but it's great. It, it's, it's great because we really do need to define that. Uh, I, like I was telling Austin earlier, I was a movement guy before I came in my, my previous life. So to me, it's all about the movement. And when I talk about it, it depends on who you talk to. Cause you know, are you, are you talking, you know, personal, are you talking, uh, you know, work related? Is it religious? Is it, is it, you know, is it political strife? What, what is it? Or what are you talking about when you say movement? Cause it can mean different things to different people. So, but I'll let Austin take over this next part because uh, it's intriguing with you being on our board and your input as, as a leader to our organization, where we can go with this. And that wraps up part one with our interview with Todd Marksbury. Please tune in to our second part of this interview as we discuss with Todd about the direction of our credit union movement and his influence of culture. On the behalf of my co-host, Austin DeBay, I am Chris Kim. Have a great day. Well, that's all for today's episode of In the Movement Podcast. Thanks for listening, and thank you for joining us today. Make sure you subscribe to your favorite podcast listing app so you never miss an episode, or visit us on Twitter at MWCUA.